now to some of you, to some of you, I may look the same as last year. But a wonderful time. Ah, yeah. Has come over me. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. <laughs> Thank you, sister. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Some songs ought to come with a, a disclaimer. Singing this song can disturb you. Cause you to do stuff you didn't intend to do. <laughs> a wonderful, 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 wonderful change has come over me to this great pastor. I call him Dr. Ventus. <laughs> and to my brothers and sisters, to all of you, I cannot, I cannot put into words how honored I am to be with you. Um, thank Pastor for uh, his kindness. Yes, God. <laughs> Stop it, man. I'm going to be with you in a minute. If you yeah. yes, I'm yes. doing my best. I'm trying to move on. I'm trying to move on. But, uh, amen. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I want to thank him publicly for he could have done this himself amen and you would have by no means been slighted he's such kind hearted and such large hearted preacher and I'm grateful for the privilege uh, I thank God for, the, for this choir amen and their wonderful contribution to worship this evening, I'm asking for an interest in your prayers. Yes, God. Yes. Amen. 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 Tonight, I'd like to call your attention to the fifth chapter, the gospel according to Mark. And actually, I'm looking at verses 1 through 20, but to expedite time, I'll just read a few of the first verses of the chapter. Yes, sir. And begins this way, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. 
because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Ask your prayers tonight as, as we consider the question, are we getting it all together? Are we getting it all together? Would you turn to your neighbor tonight and ask them, neighbor, are you getting it all together? And then look up here and say, Reverend, since you brought it up, are you getting it all together? Now say, let's see. As we revisit this passage of scripture tonight, we do so considering the question, are we getting it all together? You will notice that the question intentionally was not have we gotten it all together, but rather are we getting it all together? It, it, is, it is given that way because hopefully all of us know better than to think that we are where we should be. And that we are as we should be. The question is designed to provoke us to question ourselves as to whether we're on the right track, moving in the right direction in pursuit of that which matters most, healing and holiness. The question is designed to ask us, are we in process? Understanding that the church is designed for preparation rather than preservation. Amen. Are we in process? Process Process would have us to understand that that sanctification is not an event. 
but rather it is a process. We discover that excellence is the gradual result of trying to do better. Amen. And so when we talk about process and when we talk about growing and when we talk about getting better, the question again is, are we inwardly what we appear to be outwardly? Amen. I was reading today and, and I read these words, nothing changes if nothing changes. And it reminded me that all of us have the potential and the ability to resist change. Amen. And to stay the way we are. Amen. The Bible reminds us in Hebrews chapter 12 that all of us are challenged to lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. Now, it, it occurs to me, it occurs to me from 36 years of pastoring and observing the church and, and church people that we have the mechanics of religion worked out. We, we know how to dress the part. We know how to talk the part. But the question again is, are we what we appear to be? Because I discovered, and I know you already know, that the most important thing about church is what happens when church is over. And I also discovered that Jesus stands at every meeting at the exit sign. And he says to all of us, I won't go home with you. I heard you singing. And I heard you testifying. I, I heard you praying. And I heard you preaching. But now I want to go home with you. I want to go home with you. I want to go home with you. I want to see if what's happening at home is matching up. Yes, sir with what's taking place at church. Amen. Amen. We've got the mechanics of religion worked out. We, we got it down pat. Amen. And, and sometimes we can find out that people can be used and yet at the same time unchanged. Amen. 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 And, and so, and so we, 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 we come to the point where we question, raise this issue tonight. Um, are we what we appear to be um, in church? I think that all of us need to be challenged to grow beyond a singing, shouting relationship. Yes, Amen. 
I, I think that we need a kind of dissatisfaction with, with where we are. Rarely, if ever, will satisfied folk grow. And one of the most difficult jobs that a pastor has is to cause comfortable folk to be dissatisfied. A amen. Amen. And so, my brothers and my sisters, I, I think that God would have us to understand that, that he, he would have us to grow. He would have us to change. He, he would have us to grow in grace. He would have us to grow in the spirit. And he would have us to grow in the knowledge of God. Amen. In the, in, the text, in the text before us, we meet a man who quite obviously does not have it all together. Amen. His life is diseased, his life is disorganized, and his life is disconnected. He is separated from his family, from his community, from his place of worship, yes. most importantly, he is separated from Jesus. Yes, Amen. Yes, uh, he is also separated from his best self. Yes, Amen. Yes, He's separated from his God-given potential. Yes. For if we look at this man carefully, we understand that it just might be that this man have, may have been blessed by God, with many wonderful skills and abilities and resources and gifts. However, regardless of how blessed he might have been, his blessings were not doing him any good, nor were they doing anybody else any good. Can I remind you of how many people that are so blessed and so confused. Amen. He was unable to get it together and to direct those blessings towards some clear and positive direction for the sake of God's kingdom. He lived a life that was out of control. And when we see him, we see him in the midst of his struggle. And haven't you been on this planet long enough to discover that God can use struggle to bring out of you that which is in you, amen, that only struggle can produce, amen, amen. He lives a life that is out of control. He spent his life among the dead. Day and night, the pain of misery of life was upon him. He can find no comfort. He can find no peace. And I believe that this man is symbolic of so many individuals and institutions in our society today. Now, I don't know anybody who lived or lives in the cemetery, but I do know some folk who live in despair. 
constantly searching for a way to escape the pain and suffering of life. They live lives dominated by sin. Drugs, alcohol, sexual addiction, etc. Every day starts out like the one before. They can't find any way of escape, and they continue to live in defeat. This man lived a tragic life, I tell you, because the demonic had destroyed the finer qualities in his life. There was a gradual takeover. Uh, one of my best books that I bought early in the ministry teaches that the devil does not possess you all at once. Amen. But instead what he does is he gives you obsessions. Obsession proceeds possession. He, he gets you crazy about something. A amen. And the next thing that you know, that obsession leads to possession. A amen. And so he says in that same book that we have to, first of all, be obsessed with the kingdom of God. Amen. If you're going to be crazy about something. Huh? Come on, somebody. I mean, if you're going to be crazy about something, get crazy about Jesus. Get Get crazy about the kingdom. A amen. When we, when we, there was a takeover that took over his life. Perhaps curiosity was the beginning. Perhaps he began to experiment with things that he should not have experimented with. And the next thing he knows, he finds himself totally possessed by the devil. Now when we think of our this man, we think also of our world today. We are mindful of a world, a world so richly blessed by God. Amen. If you read the creation account, periodically you hear God, he will stop and pause to say, it is good. Amen. God created a good world. Amen. It got so good until he stops one time and says, it is very good. God created a good world and made provision for all of our needs. And yet, when you look at our world today, you see wars and racism and poverty and violence, disease and, and hunger. The problem is not that God has failed to provide, but the failure is on our side. We fail to get it all together and move in a positive kingdom direction. We're still suffering from our inability to get it all together so that we can direct our efforts toward a positive direction for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. All the gifts, all the resources, all the blessings and we are still divided. We are still separated. Amen. And if we are ever going to get it together, what we need is a fresh encounter with Jesus. Amen. 
Now, many of you have already had that encounter with the Lord and been set free, but let me, let me, let me suggest that some of you may still be here in a condition much like this man. I need to make an announcement. In every church you go into, there are some folk in the church who still need to be saved. Amen. Who still need to be saved. And Jesus made it his business to show up. Nowhere does the text say that the man in the tomb issues Jesus an invitation. He did not come by invitation. He didn't ask Jesus to show up. Jesus makes it his business to show up anyhow. He knew his condition. And what I'm so glad about is he knew where to find him. It, it was by no coincidence or luck, but by divine appointment. He comes through a storm for just one lost sinner. He crosses to the other side. He, he crosses boundary lines. He goes into Gentile territory. Because Jesus does not respect any lines. He's not for the upper class. He's not for the lower class. As a matter of fact, when it comes to Jesus, he says, class dismissed. <laughs> Amen. He comes, he comes, he, he comes into Gentile territory. Uh, one of my favorite authors says that when Jesus comes into Gentile territory, he gives proof that he can drop a ladder anywhere. Amen. Amen. And it does not have to be on the floorboards of the church. Has he ever showed up for you? Huh? Outside of the church. Amen. He won't let anything keep him from getting to us. This man, lonely and rejected, avoided by society, was valued in the eyes of Jesus. Because Jesus sees people differently than we do. Ain't you glad about it? We see their sins. He sees what he can make out of them. We see a drunk. He sees a deacon. Amen. We see a drug addict. He sees a preacher. We see a loose woman. He sees a choir member. He'll take what you give him and make something more precious out of it. And he loves us too much to let us stay where we are. Now, I don't know whether you remember this game or not, but as kids, we used to play a game called hide and seek. And if your hiding place was too good, after a while, if we got tired of seeking, we would just go on home and leave you out there hiding. Hallelujah. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus knows all of our hiding places. Amen. Amen. He knows all of our hiding places. Even when you try to hide in church, can I tell you, can I tell you, can I tell you that church is a hiding place for some folk? A amen. He knows all of our hiding 
places. Picture this man. This, this man has lived in torment among the tombs. It's not a gorgeous scene to look upon, but, but one day he sees a small boat arriving. Something within him causes him to know that Jesus is his only hope. I don't know if the man knew Jesus, but what is, what is revealing about the text is the demon knew him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, the demons knew him. James says that devils also believe and tremble. Uh, then the text causes us to find the man at the feet of Jesus worshiping. Jesus asked him a question and says, listen, uh, what is your name? For he perceives that this man is a victim of identity theft. <laughs> Jesus knows that one of the tricks of the devil is to try to, to get you to deny who God says you are. Amen. Uh, you remember in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness He's being tempted of the devil. The devil says to him, if you are the son of God, trying to get Jesus to doubt who God said he was. If the devil can ever get you to doubt who God says you are, you are indeed in trouble. The man says, well, my name is Legion, for we are many says Jesus there are many of me as a matter of fact I don't know which one of me is the real me uh, I, I, I'm so wishy-washy uh, one day I'm on and the next day I'm off one day I'm optimistic and the next day I'm pessimistic one day my principles don't match my practice. The next day what comes through my lips don't match what shows up in my life. I shout on Sunday. I pout on Monday. I, I don't know which me is me. Amen. 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 I don't know which me is me. Harry Emerson Fosick tells the story of a time in his life when he was contemplating suicide over a lost love. A woman that he loved with all of his heart uh, left him, rejected his advances, rejected his love. And Harry Emerson Fosdick says that he went upstairs contemplating suicide. But he says the only thing that kept him from committing suicide was his father downstairs who kept calling his name, Harry Emerson Fosdick. Harry Emerson Fosdick. And he says what kept him from killing himself was the fact that there was somebody there who kept calling his name. Oh, I come to tell you today, my brothers and my sisters, when somebody knows your right name and they are calling you by your right name, and if you want to know why we come to church on Sunday, if you want to know why we come to Bible study, if you want to know why we come consistently, is we've come to be reminded of who we are. 
Amen. 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 Our, our real names are not doctor. Our real names are not lawyer. Our real names are not school teacher. Our real name is not engineer. It's not barber. It's not beautician. That's not our real name. Our real name is child of God. That's our real name. Our real name is child of God. And I tell you, if I don't know I'm a child of God, then no other title means anything. But thank God for being a child of God. Our foreparents in slavery did not derive their names from what slave masters called them. They stole away in the evening in the brush harvest and they were saying, hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. And then they would say, it sounds like Jesus. Somebody's calling my name. And then on another occasion, they said, when he calls me, I will answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Oh, yes, yeah, sickness comes, sorrows come, tribulations come, trials come, ups and downs come, but I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Amen. After meeting Jesus, this man met an organizing principle for his life. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that when Jesus comes into our lives, we receive the ability to get it all together. Amen. Jesus enabled him to get all of his talents, all of his gifts, all of his resources together, so much so that when the people of the village came out and saw him, he had been changed from maniac to missionary. Amen. The Bible says that he was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Amen. It was the Lord that made all the difference in his life. And if you don't mind, I believe that he might have been singing, thank you for letting me be myself again. Amen. Well, he was lost. He was lost, I tell you just as lost as he could be. But Jesus had organized his life around kingdom principles. Amen. Amen. And all of a sudden, discord becomes unity. All of a sudden, noise becomes harmony. All of a sudden, everyone's eyes are on him. He's sitting clothed and in his right mind. Jesus has made the change in his life. Yeah, what a wonderful, ah, wonderful change has come over him. Jesus has come into his life. And that's our hope tonight. That's our hope tonight. That's our future, that our eyes are on him. Jesus is Lord. Amen. The man makes a request of Jesus after that. He says to Jesus, he says, Master, I've got a good idea. He says, why don't you let me travel with you? And I'll be a wonderful testimony for you. I'll be able to come before the people and tell them what I used to be. And then I'll tell them how you changed my life around. 
I'll tell them all how you made a difference in my life. I'll share with them what I used to be and what I am now. If you just let me travel with you, I tell you, I'll have an amazing testimony wherever we go. Jesus says, it's a good idea, but I got a better one. I got a better one. I got a better one. He says, do you remember them folk at home you drove crazy? Huh? Says, that's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you the most difficult assignment that you can ever have. He says, I'm going to send you back home. Oh, my God. If you ever want an assignment, I tell you, try to get the folk at home. I wish I had a witness in here tonight. I said, if you want an assignment, try to get the folk at home to believe that a change has taken place in your life. I heard, I heard Jesus say that a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Amen. He says to this man, go back home. Go back home and show the folk at home that a difference has been made in your life. Dr. Bill Jones has gone on to the glory now, but he, gave, he gives one of the most amazing conclusions to this sermon. He says that when this man went back to the village, his children saw him, and his little boy started crying, and he went in the house and said, Mama, oh, Mama, he's back. He's back, he's back, Mama. That, that crazy man is back. He's back, Mama. He's back. The people in the village saw him, and everybody began to run, to run in the house and close the doors and lock them because, you see, some people, when you've been changed, don't believe you've been changed. And they began to run from him because they did not know what Jesus had done for them. Oh, my brothers and my sisters. But this man is walking with his head up. He's walking with dignity. He's walking with a sense of salvation. He's walking with a sense of being saved, that his life has been changed. You walk different when you know your life has been changed. You've got a difference about you, a different air about you. When you know that your life has been changed. He walks down the street because he knows if nobody else knows, it's been a change in me. It's been a change in me. Jesus says to him, go home. Go home and live the most difficult call a Christian can have. Go home. Be a Christian. Oh, my God. Be a Christian at home. Yeah, I don't need you to travel around with me. I need you to go back where your children are afraid of you. I need you to go back where your wife was fearful of you. I need you to go back where your neighbors said you were crazy. I need you to go back where you developed such a hazardous reputation. I want you to go back where folk gave up on you. I 
I want you to go back when what people said he'll never be any good. I want you to go back there and tell everybody what Jesus has done for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Will you look at your neighbor for me for a minute and say, neighbor, get yours to go. Don't use it all up in church. Tell them one more time. Say, get yours to go. You got to go to work tomorrow. There's some folk on your job that need to know you got it all together. You got to go to school tomorrow. There's some kids at school that need to know you got it together. Yeah, we, we got to cross the line beyond just singing and shouting. The world needs more. They got enough singing. You believe me when I tell you, they got all kinds of singing. They got all kinds of emotion. But they don't have much representation. Yeah, that's what they need. They need to see Jesus incarnate. They need to see us flesh out the goodness of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I think I ought to tell you, when they hear you preaching, they watch it. They see you singing, they watch it. Amen. The deacon can't be ducking. They watch it. I'll tell you this and then I'll leave. It was one Sunday, Pastor Ventus, after an afternoon service. And on the way home, I had stopped at a little convenience store to pick up something. When I walked in the store, the young lady who was to wait on me evidently was having a bad day. And I asked her, I said, do you have such and such an item? Do you see it? <laughs> I said, well, no, I, I don't see it. Well, perhaps do you have, and we don't have none and I don't know when we're going to get now. Okay, I said, well, you know, I'm going to give her one more chance. You know. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, um, well, how much is that? Do you see the price on it? I said, okay. That's it. I'm getting ready to speak in a pre-Christian tongue. Yeah. Yeah. I think I ought to tell you, I haven't forgotten it all yet. Uh -huh. And uh, 
So I loaded up my tongue. And Just as soon as I got ready to unload, I said, now look. And an elderly lady came in the store door. She looked at me and said, oh, Reverend Frederick. She said, I listen to you every Sunday on the, <laughs> on the radio. I, I got my little stuff. I said, yes, ma'am, and out the door I went. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I'm trying to tell you, you don't know who's. Huh? Listen, you don't know who knows you that you don't know. Huh? Amen. We got to get it all together. We got to get it all together. We got we to gotta work towards being what we appear to be. Amen. We got to close the gap between what we are and what we should be. A amen. Amen. We got to close the gap. Amen. Uh, we got to be what we are when nobody's looking. Amen. Amen. So that we can be like David, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Let there be harmony between what I say and what I do and who I am. Would you bow your heads with me? God, how we thank you for knowing.